St. Helena Island is one of the remotest islands on Earth. It is a subtropical paradise where the mountainous terrain and microclimates create an absolutely astounding diversity of landscapes, all within a few minutes' drive. My name is Reem Ibrahim and I am the events coordinator at the Friends of the British Overseas Territories. Welcome to the FOTBOT podcast. In this episode of the FOTBOT podcast, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Matt Joshua. Matt is the head of tourism at the government of St. Helena. St. Helena is one of the most diverse and I think incredibly densely packed for for, for what it is. Only 47 square miles and there is so much in St. Helena. And yet I don't think that many people in the UK or many people across the world really know much about what St. Helena has to offer. So Matt, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Um, I was wondering if you could first of all just tell us where is St. Helena? Where is it and what can you do? So this is quite common. The first thing people actually ask is where is where is St. Helena? And contrary to popular belief, we're not far south. We're in the South Atlantic, but we're still in the tropics, which, you know, we're a subtropical island. But we are, if not the second, then probably the third most remote inhabited island. I think our sister island, Tristan de Kuna and Pitcairn are battling it out for the top spot. Um, St. Helena is 47 square miles, as, as you, I think, mentioned. We're about a thousand miles off the west coast of Africa, so when Namibia meets Angola, go west. Imagine you're trying to swim to Brazil and stop just before you get halfway across the Atlantic. Um, Most people will know the island as the place where Napoleon was exiled to, but there's much more to St. Helena than just the place that Napoleon was exiled to. Um, St. Helena is a volcanic island. It's no longer volcanic, but uh, it's a great geology. It's really vertical comes straight out of the sea and because of all of these verticals that lend themselves to great sort of valleys and hills and thus incredible biodiversity and uh, one of the great statistics that we like to sort of throw around uh, is that a third of all the UK's biodiversity and including all the other overseas territories a third of it is focused on St Helena and one-sixth of that is within our cloud forest, which is that spine that runs through the top of the island. Um, incredible endemic species found only on St. Helena, but of course under threat like most of small islands and the very delicate habitats. That's incredible. So it's interesting that statistic, one third of biodiversity in the British Overseas Territories is in St. Helena, because of course we always throw around the, the stat that 99% of um, uh, Britons or the you know Britons, British biodiversity is found in the, in the British Overseas Territories. So it's interesting that a third of that is actually in St. Helena. And then it's not just on land that we have this in, in incredible um, natural environment also around the island there are loads of endemic fish species and we actually have a marine protected area the size of france around the island so our conservation efforts are really really important to us and they make the island so unique and so attractive you know all of these unique and also weird and wonderful um environments um and then you've got all of the history so saint Helena was discovered in 1502 uh, by the portuguese it was um, Dutch for a while, then under the crown. And then, of course, you've got the East India Company presence on the island, and in no particular order, um, back to Napoleon, was when uh, there was a huge military presence on the island. Uh, Everyone was so paranoid that Napoleon was going to escape. 
Um, but then you've got things like the island's part in the, in the um, abolition of the transatlantic slave trade. So dark history is really important to us and we're, we're really developing that as well. You've got 6,000 Boer prisoners of war that were sent there at the beginning of 19, 1901, around that time. Um, 6,000 of them on the island, so we've got a nice link with South Africa there. Um, you've got visits from Edmund Halley, masculine, um, who I think charted the transit of Venus while he was on the island. Charles Darwin visited. Um, yeah, you've had Prince, we had Prince Dinazulu, who was uh, exiled on the island. So, so the island has been, the island's rich history has been sort of punctuated by all of these exiles and outcasts that have really created a sort of a melting pot culture. We're still very, very British, but there are all these extra little spices and flavours that have been added over the years. That's absolutely incredible. I mean, I think it's, it's particularly interesting. Could you tell me a little bit about, um, I just want to sort of hone in on this particular point that you made about St Helena's history. Mm. Um, could you t- just tell me a, a sort of a brief summary of what that, what that was like? So, I think it really sort of picks up when the East India Company were on the island and... And when was that? Sort of late 1700s. Mm. So that was when a lot of the Georgian architecture was built. And so Main Street in Jamestown, you know, you walk along and you can still feel that the island had this great maritime history as well because pre-sewers, over a thousand ships a year called at St. Helena because it was this... um, very strategic and necessary um, stopover point for all sorts of things like refueling. And then, of course, later on, of, of military um, strategic importance. It's, it's an interesting island. You've got fortifications dotted all over the place. You've got these ancient forts. You've, you, you're, you're sort of on a hike, and you'll see old cannons just sort of propped up or, I suppose, rusty now. Mm. But you, So wherever you go on the island, you've got all these echoes of all of these different periods of time. Um, even if you want to come sort of screeching up to almost modern day, um, the island was really important for, uh, for the flax industry. So the New Zealand flax was brought to the island and it covers all of the central peaks. It's actually an invasive species, but it was used to make twine for the British post- Postal Service. And of course, when uh, synthetic string came along, the bottom fell out of that mm. um, economy. Um, but we've still got the flax on the island. So you've got all of these echoes of a time gone by. And if you think, uh, when you're on St. Clean, I suppose, you still get that a little sort of an inkling of um, an island that time forgot or an island where time is now catching up. So you've got things like the advent of TV. We only got TV in the late 90s. Limited channels. We only had mobile phones. 2015. No. 2015. Stop. You only had mobile phones since 2015. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, so what that does if, if you're a visitor, it forces you to slow down. So, mm. you know, slow tourism is really sort of the thing now, but, you know, we were doing slow tourism out of, out of necessity. <laughs> you, you guys did slow no tourism before it was cool. <laughs> no choice but but to have slow tourism. Um, and then it sort of, as I said, to come screeching up today, we've just had the most fantastic quantum leap in connectivity. Mm. So we have a fibre optic cable that was brought to the island a couple of years ago. 
but it's just been activated. And this now allows us to do things like, for example, stream Netflix, which was, well, just couldn't do it. So old island, new destination, sort of a time capsule of all sorts of different things. And I suppose what St. Helena actually is, is sort of a, on a small scale, it's a microcosm of all of the last 500 years of history, because all of the stuff that's happened is reflected in the island. Mm. That's really incredible. And I think in terms of the way in which St. Helena has sort of, as you said, a microcosm for the past 500 years of Mm. history. I mean, we think about the other overseas territories. You've got the Pitcairn Islands, which I think feels like a time capsule of Mm. of, of history, where you've got, um, you know, a mixture of cultures, um, which are effectively from the from Mishin um, the Bounty, and then, of course, um, um, some some Asian cultures as a result of that. But it really is history that that has created that very very small population of mm. was it fifty two people now, yeah. um, and then you've got you know other British overseas territories like Saint Helena, which actually in their own ways are a time capsule of history, and. I think what's particularly interesting about what you've said is the way in which St. Helena is so, so biodiverse, but also its culture has so many different influences. Could you tell me a bit about that? I'm going to sum it up with a meal. (laughs) So people often draw parallels to the Cape culture and the Malay influences in the Western Cape. Very similar, and most St. Helena's look like they Mm. could be from Cape Town. But we're still very, very British. And you see that reflected in the architecture, but in our everyday lives. And on Sunday, we have a curry. (laughs) Right next to it, on the plate, is a traditional roast. Really? So British roast dinner, and I suppose that Cape Malay or, you know, those sort of influences um, right together. That's amazing. I mean, again, that dish is just a a microcosm for the diverse culture that you've got in St. Helena. That's amazing. And if somebody, I mean, you know, what is the attraction of St. Helena for somebody to go and visit? Why would somebody go and visit St. Helena as opposed to other overseas territories or indeed other islands? So I think there are two types of visitor. There's somebody who has a St. Helena connection and it might be a family connection or it could be um, sort of a, a bird watching connection or something like that or it's a lot of the time it's that bucket list you know St. Helena is so different we're not a white sandy beach destination we're not a fly and flop deck chair and daiquiri type type destination you know we're, we're something different Our, we don't have the white sandy beaches we don't have the resorts you know we're only just starting tourism in fact this is only really our third full year of um, air access-based tourism. So what you're getting with St. Helena is this really interesting and varied cross-section. We don't really have a singular USP that says, you know, I'll go back to the white sandy beach and the palm tree picture that everybody has in their mind when they think of an island. We're not that. We are a mix of ocean, nature, history and heritage, and importantly, the people, because I do think that it's the, the St. Helena's or the saints, as we are known, that really make the island special. Our population is just over 4,000. Um, so it's, with a population that size, everyone knows everyone. We're renowned for our friendliness. Um, you know, we wave at everyone. And if you don't wave back, <laughs> then something's wrong with you. So You don't really get that in London, no, do you? you? Really <laughs> and for me, it's quite difficult. And I used to live in London, but... You know, I have to resist the temptation to automatically put my hand up at every passing car. Mm. Oh, you'll grow out of it really quickly. But 
So I, I think I, if you did that on the tube, people would probably look at you very weirdly. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like that. So I, I, I get that when I go to the north because mm. I'm like, you know, in the north, everyone's really friendly and happy. And this is why I think, you know, it's really nice seeing cultures like St. Helena and um, where it's, it's in the culture to sort of be mm. incredibly friendly to even strangers. Be, friendly, be welcoming, you know. Um, in fact, it's a sort of a substrap line of our breath of fresh air mm. tourism tagline but you know it, it sounds a little bit cheesy but you know you <laughs> arrive as a, as a as a stranger but you leave as a friend mm. in some cases you almost feel like you're, you're family um so there is that warmth and that i suppose it's the ability to quickly immerse yourself into island culture which on bigger islands and particularly with resort-based tourism it might be a little bit too formulaic. Mm. Um, but, you know, you just go and sit outside the pub and I guarantee you somebody will buy you a drink in the next <laughs> round. And what's your chosen pub drink at St. Helena pub? Um, I'll have to say the standard pub because my uncle um, ran that pub for quite a number of years. Really? And now the lady who runs it is a really good friend of mine, Sally, whose husband runs the distillery. Um, great little linkages there you know so you can go to the pub and you can actually try all the all the local spirits that's amazing yeah. oh my god i mean that's really incredible and um i, I want to hear a little bit more about your story matt so we were talking before we started recording and you were telling me a little bit about the fact that you know you were born in saint helena but you left when you were 18 and you came to london tell, tell me your life story I, I, well i think my sort of circular migration mm. is quite similar to to a lot of people on St. Helena, you know, when you grow up outside of a big city, you get to a certain age and there's the, the pool, the, the draw, the, the grass is greener. Um, on a small remote island, we don't have that. You have to leave. And um, I, I left, um, did various things, um, did a lot of hospitality stuff, um, lots of places I managed. I walked past just now um, <laughs> at different bars and all sorts in, Lon in London um, and uh, after 2008 you know things generally it started to sort of have a bit of a downturn mm. and um, my friends just said to me said why are you still here go back to that beautiful <laughs> island so I did and uh, I stayed um, I worked for a parastatal of government called Enterprise St Helena for a while I was I did the the marketing um, the tourism marketing, which I suppose helped define my route to where I am now. Mm. Um, and of course, this, is, this was at a time when we were building the airport. And uh, we had people come to the island and um, it was suggested that, you know, we would need a, a local uh, hotel manager. So I did uh, a hotel management degree or hospitality management degree to sort of earn my stripes. And I did that in Cape Town while we were building the hotel, so it was back and forth. And then we um, opened the Manta St. Helena Hotel in 2017, coinciding with the launch or the start of the commercial flights. Wow. So we had our, we opened the hotel the same day of the inaugural flight, basically. Um, so that was a couple of years. And then uh, just to tell you a little bit about the sort of tourism trajectory, you know, we, we started to build quite nicely things were happening but then of course COVID so in March 2020 we closed the island and we only just reopened uh, let's say October last year 
it's horrible to think that, I mean, obviously we've been talking you know, a lot of the news this week after the COVID inquiry, mm. the impact of the pandemic on, well, just the huge social and economic costs um, that were incurred as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. But um, can you tell me a little bit more about what the impact was mm. on, on St. Helena, not only just hospitality and tourism, but on the people? How, you know, what, 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 what was more... Yeah, of the, the morale. The yeah. Yeah. So interestingly, we were one of the few places on the planet that stayed COVID-free. We imposed such stringent um, travel restrictions. You know, it was necessary travel only. Um, there were no commercial flights. Um, there was a chart. There were chartered flights to the island for essentials and essential travel. Um, but for all intents and purposes, the island was shut down. Um, so we had no tourists. And when you're just starting to develop your tourism industry, and pre-pandemic, of course, it was get into tourism, you know, help help the island's economy. You know, to tourism is still one of the, the island's biggest economic drivers. And imagine all those people that, you know, um, were invested in it. And then, of course, just as they were getting started or, or, or getting interested, mm. the rug was pulled out from under them. So like a lot of small islands, you know, people moved away during COVID. So we have felt the impact particularly in our hospitality and tourism sectors, but right across the island. And when you've only got a small population, you then have increasing capacity constraints and just doing everyday stuff. So tourism's recovery, which is my job, um, we're getting there. It's a bit of a slog, of course, because we are so remote. And um, it, yeah, we, we're just, a lot of the challenges that other small island destinations face are exacerbated because we are so far away from the mainland and you know we're still building so we our numbers are still relatively quite low um, we don't need a lot of tourists to make tourism work on St. Lena but we still need to grow once we recover and I think that's going to be the challenge um, so yeah we, we, we end of July we were about 80% recovered against 2019 which was our oh, wow. best year for tourism so but we've still got a long way to go to you know uh, bed in and make sure that we've got a solid foundation to grow post-recovery. Well you absolutely seem to be doing a fantastic job if, if that's the case I mean 80% recovered is fantastic. I think I think uh, there was also an element of you know the pent-up desire to travel mm. so we're not going to sort of sit on our laurels and and go it's just going to happen yeah you know there's a lot to do um generally you need to maintain and develop your product um so as you deliver what you're marketing uh, we have to do a lot more with our marketing mm. the island is still relatively unknown in the global marketplace and if it is known it's known for napoleon and Jonathan Tortoise, who I forgot to mention. You know, Jonathan's incredible for the island. He lives in the grounds of the governor's house. Um, we did his 190th birthday campaign, and I think we reached 430 million oh people. My goodness. I mean, it's just astonishing <laughs> what that old tortoise can do for St. Helena. Mm. Um, but as I said, there's more to St. Helena, and we, we looked at a, a little short video before we had this conversation, and, you know, you can see the, the breadth and depth of product it's just making sure that we can let people know that it's there and get people to not just look and say, oh, that's pretty nice, but actually start booking and, <laughs> yes. and getting to the island. And, and there are a lot of links in the chain that need to be set up to, you know, get there, have a place to stay and have people 
look after you and, and, and provide those activities and tours and all the things that make a great, great destination experience. It's amazing that a 190-year-old tortoise is now a social media influencer. <laughs> 191, I think. Oh. Soon. Oh, Yeah, amazing. within a couple of weeks. Officially 191. Officially According to the Guinness Book of Records, he's the oldest living land animal and the oldest Shilonian, which is oldest tortoise. Um, but he could already be 200. Oh, I guess we. Is it how do you how can you tell how old he so is? So his species, he arrived on the island when he was fully grown, and we know this because of photographic evidence and shell dimensions. So he was definitely fully grown when he arrived wow. from the Seychelles. He's a Seychelles tortoise, um, but he could be slightly older. That's fascinating. I mean, yeah, being around for that for that long is crazy. Can you imagine if you're the governor? <laughs> yes. At the time, because every governor, I think, who who you know. It, does their time on St. Clean, I think they must wake up every morning going, is that tortoise still alive in the bottom of the garden? <laughs> well, I wouldn't want to be the governor when he does watch, die. Yeah, watch, yeah, no, literally, that's hilarious. Um, can you tell me a bit about the um, governmental structure in St. Helena? What does it look like? And, um, you know, a lot, a lot of what we talk about at FOTBOT is the importance of self-determination mm-hmm. and sovereignty. And, of course, that's more relevant to some British overseas territories than others. St. Helena seemed to be... You know, an incredibly well established um, uh, governmental force, and they seem to be able to uh, manage their affairs pretty well. How, I mean, how does it all work? So, recently we moved to a ministerial form of governance. So, we've got five ministers, a chief minister, and uh, four other ministers who are responsible for different areas such as health and um, economic development, um, environment, natural resources, etc. And then we've got seven councillors who are um, who represent the different I suppose for one of a different term would be boroughs of mm. St. Helena um, yeah I, I, sorry we, no 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 I was just interested mm, because and, um, and obviously we're, and, and we have a governor of the island mm. uh, the governors are are decided by FCDO. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. And we don't, I mean, we vote for our councillors and our ministers, obviously, mm-hmm. but uh, no, we, 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 uh, we're not told who the governor is and then uh, the governor comes out. But, you know, so far we've had some really, really great governors. That's amazing. That's, I think it's particularly interesting the way in which different... Um, British overseas territories have set up their governmental structures and their, and their institutions. It's it's very mm. interesting the, the differences, and also with Saint Helena being on the um, large side in terms of population, um, it's interesting the way in which they've they've been able to set that up as well. Um, how long has the current governor been been there? I think two and a bit years. Mm, okay, interesting. Yeah, I think two, just over two years. Yeah. Very cool. So Who, and, and uh, Governor Phillips was governor of. The Falklands previously, so ah. he's. He, I think he knows small islands quite well, and, <laughs> and we have. Even though the Falklands is is way south, a lot of Saint Helena's live on the Falkland Islands. Oh, really? Yeah, there's a really big Saint Helena population there, which stems from the Falklands War, and a lot of Saint Helena's went to do infrastructure improvements. There's mostly men that went to do, yeah, build stuff, uh, and then families followed. And I've got friends who have Falkland Islands, uh, they're Falkland Island residents now, they've got citizenship there, wow. and their children were born on the Falkland Islands, but we retain that very strong link between the islands. Um, so our St. Helena, Ascension Island, Tristan de Kuna fall under St. Helena, so mm. our governor looks after those three islands, but we have really strong links with the Falklands. That's right. Re- and particularly now that the air bridge has been restored on Ascension Island mm. because the, the airstrip was sort of having uh, maintenance done. You know, the the... 
access strengthens the, the easier access strengthens the links as well so it means people can come home to visit and what it, and it's important for us because um they bring money into the island mm. so when we it's back to sort of tourism uh, what is really important for us is not just your pure leisure tourists it's the vfr visiting friends and relatives segment as well and it's about 50 50 and if we don't have if we don't look after our our returning saints as we call them um you know we wouldn't have half of our visitor economy mm. so uh, and just, I mean, what do you think the future of tourism could look like post-pandemic recovery, post, um, um, you know, I guess everything has happened over the past 20 years. Mm. Um, what do you think the future of uh, tourism in St. Helena could look like? I think the growth trajectory... And what would you like it to look oh, like? Well, I, I know what I'd like it to look like, <laughs> but of course, you... When I talk to my friends who do sort of similar, similar roles on the sort of the... Um, East Indian islands, you know, they have massive tourism, loads of numbers, um, resort tourism, you know, big groups. Well, St. Helena's not set up for that. Mm. And I don't think we will ever be able to do mass tourism. I don't think the island wants mass tourism. What we need to do is grow organically at a pace that the island can handle. And so as we develop our infrastructure in line with this, and that's the hard part because it's chicken and egg. You need you need to have the demand you need to have people putting money into our visitor economy to drive the development and you know until you start pushing onwards it and how do it, you do that i mean what 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 kind of what would encourage that kind of investment being made well i think you just said the word you know it, it's, it's investment <laughs> um small island small population you know we do need outside investment um and i think we have some really beautiful, potentially interesting and uh, rewarding sites uh, that outside investors uh, could have a look at. Um, that means us getting all of our processes in mm. order as well, of course, to, to facilitate that. Um, we need more accommodation on the island, more tourist accommodation, um, perhaps a couple more small hotels. You know, I, I certainly don't think we're ready for a bigger hotel yet. And, it's, and um, maybe a s sort of a, a range of guest houses. Because if we want to double our visitor numbers, of course, you have to put them somewhere. Yeah. And then similarly, you have to provide a good experience. And so you need the people on the ground to provide those tours and activities, the eating places, the transport, and all the other services that you need to have mm. a really, really good St. Helena experience. So it's kind of growing all of that at the same time. And that includes building capacity, making sure that people are trained, making sure that they, that we don't lose our warm welcome that we are so well known for. You know, if we push the numbers up, will we'll you naturally have the same amount of time or mm. the same enthusiasm and authenticity when you, when you greet a visitor? I which, suppose, it, I mean, increasing the numbers, you know, just sort of from a quantitative perspective and in, 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 increasing the number of people that visit the island you would you don't want to lose that quality as you don't want to kill the, the golden goose yes as well. the very <laughs> thing that makes the island attractive is for a lot of people it's mm. a lack of development you know um, it's paradoxically the thing that really attracts people to St. Helena is that unplug um, digital detox be at one with nature in a really safe 
environment as a, as a solo female traveler for example you can just hike our network of trails mm. nobody's going to bother you at all you know people will probably say hello are you okay yeah can i help you um and, and think it's saying it's, it's, it's interesting it's saying it's quite a safe place for solo female travelers absolutely yeah it's a safe place generally um we don't have much crime mm. everyone knows everyone so there's, there's you know there's opportunistic stuff that goes on everywhere but but there's no great premeditated crime mm. there's nothing serious you know, the, I think there's a the last murder was probably 30 something years ago oh really mm. wow well that certainly makes it an attractive place for um, for solo female travellers who, who want so, to go so I think what you know, there's the bucket list appeal. There's that sort of bragging rights, particularly if you're if you're collecting stamps in your passport. Yes. And if you don't have the Saint Helena connection, then I always say to people, well, maybe Saint Helena isn't for you just yet. Which sounds terrible me telling people no. <laughs> Head of tourism because, saying that. Because I, I really want people to get the best out of the island. And if you don't do your research and you come to the island expecting that you can turn up at the airport and there's a a Hertz or Ava's rental car waiting for you and yeah. all of these other things that the more established destinations probably offer. Um, you know, five-star hotels. We, don't, we have a four-star hotel um, and we have some beautiful little guest houses and all the rest of it, but if you're not prepared for that and you think you just turn up on the island and everything's going to... Your, your week is just going to sort of happen magically, then hold on. <laughs> you know, we want people who, I suppose... Will have a who definitely will have a great experience, but they appreciate that Saint Helena is a really different destination. It's different a destination with a difference. Mm. So as a, you know, to compare us to those white sandy beach destinations, if that's what you have in mind, then we're not for you. Yeah. You do those first, and then when you're ready for something different, you come and check us out. That's amazing. And if you could just the last thing, if you could summarize why people should come to St. Helena, such a fantastic island. Uh, could you summarise that in, in, a, in a couple sentences? I think I said it before, we've got such a, an incredible cross-section of product and you're not just coming for one thing, you put it all together and I think the sum of all the different elements, um, our natural environment, our marine environment, um, the history and heritage that we have in spades, uh, that rich historical tapestry, and then of course the people, you know, the, the, the St. Helenians, put that all together and I think you've got a really different really captivating and I think really authentic island experience different from something you would have elsewhere Matt Joshua <laughs> thank you so so much for uh, joining me today I've really pleasure. really enjoyed this conversation yeah. I think that all of our listeners will as well um, uh, this is Matt Joshua who is the head of tourism at the St. Helena government who's told us so many fantastic things about the island which is wonderful only just scratching the surface uh, only just scratching the surface indeed well there's only so much you can pack into a half an hour conversation but thank you thank you very much and if you enjoyed uh, listening to this podcast uh, provided to you by the Friends of the British Overseas Territories then subscribe and you can uh, listen on all of your um, um, chosen podcast apps 